And I really, truly believe that when businesses do good, they naturally do well. On this episode of the Creators Community, we'll meet Lynn Yap, a former corporate attorney and investment banker turned managing director of Activate and now published author. Lynn shares with us her journey, which includes playing a major role in the IPO of Facebook as an investment banker to leading an organization built to help young women be better prepared to enter careers in innovation, technology, and entrepreneurship. We'll also hear Lynn's mission and lessons to help leaders understand how they can do good as companies while also delivering results. This message and more are included in Lynn's new book, The Altruistic Capitalist. Check out the show. Welcome to the first season of The Creator Community. This is a brand new podcast series from book publisher, New Degree Press. I'm your host, John Saunders, founder of Forward Advisory Solutions. The show is designed to celebrate, elevate, and showcase many of the incredible authors that have published their books with NDP. This year, NDP will cross over 1,000 published authors. In this show, we will get to know the authors and their books, as well as give you a behind the scenes look at their journey. We'll find out what it takes to bring a book from an idea to being available wherever you buy books online. It's no easy task. Today I have with me Lynn Yap, author of The Altruistic Capitalist. Lynn is the founder of Activate Network, whose mission is to increase the participation of women in technology and entrepreneurship. She started her career as a corporate attorney, went back to earn an MBA from the Wharton School, and worked in investment banking. Her curiosity led her to write about businesses as a force for good. The altruistic capitalist culminates conversations with leaders at for-profit corporations, entrepreneurs, investors, and her own unique personal experience and research. Lynn's book just published a few weeks ago and is available wherever you buy books online. Lynn, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, John. You know, maybe before we get into the book a little bit, I think it'd be great for our listeners to learn more about you. Can you share with us a bit about your background and career, right? You know, what made you leave your career as a corporate attorney and start from scratch in a different career? No, no easy task, another very difficult task, but you did it. Thank you. Um, I've had a few shifts in my career, actually. And what I want to say is I've always been motivated by challenges. I love learning and I love figuring out how to do things. So with um, being a lawyer, I was working with um, lots of investment bankers. And to me at that time, they seemed like these magicians. They were behind the structuring of transactions. They were the ones who were pricing all the companies and all the businesses. And they were just, you know, the, the, the magician behind the numbers. And so I decided, I set myself the challenge, I am going to be an investment banker as well. Now, at that point in time, being a lawyer, I had no idea what it was like to do finance or accounting. I had no idea what the difference was between debits and credits. So to get a job into investment banking, just think about that. I had two tasks, two challenges. One was to learn the content and um, get the skills of Excel and spreadsheets, so learning corporate finance, learning accounting. And two, figuring out how to actually convince someone to give me a job <laughs> in investment banking with someone who didn't have any formal training. And so that's kind of how I um, shifted from corporate law into investment banking. I was just curious and I wanted a new challenge to learn what, what it was to price a business. 
That's awesome. Curious, want to keep learning, continue to grow. Uh, I love that story. And, and now your work has really been around social impact since you left the investment banking world. You know, how did you go from this, this sort of very corporate structure? How do we go out and sort of maximize value of everything we have and then turn this into such a passion for social impact in, in the world around you? Mm -hmm. Another pivot in my career. And this happened around May of 2012. So at that time, I was working in technology um, and equity capital markets team. So what that meant was I helped startup companies. I helped tech startup companies go public. I, I worked on their IPOs. Now, if you remember, in May 2012, this was when the markets were just coming back up. So lots of startups were, you know, they were um, holding off on their IPOs until the markets return. And this was at the height of the tech boom. And one of the deals that I worked on was Facebook. And at the same time, the reason why I remember this date so well is that my grandmother got sick. And when I found out that she was ill and the doctor said, look, it doesn't look good, I wanted to go home. Because I was the only person on the ground who was very close to the deal to make sure that it was going to go well, I was told that I couldn't go. I couldn't go back to Malaysia. I was in uh, New York. I couldn't go back to Malaysia to see my grandmother, to say goodbye um, and, and, and to support my family at that time. So I was really torn between duty to my family and then commitment to my job. I, I love my job. I, I think I, I learned so much about business in investment banking. And so I felt really conflicted at the time. Ultimately, I chose to stay. Facebook went public. My grandmother passed away and I didn't get to say goodbye. And of course, after that, I felt so guilty. I felt so terrible about myself. It took me a long time to really accept um, how the decision that I made. But because I, I, I felt angry as well, because I heard leaders saying, you know, people, the people are our greatest assets. We should take care of our people. But when I look at the rows of financial statements and the pages and pages of reports, we don't see the impact of what business activities and business culture is on our people, whether that's our employees or the communities we operate in. And so that is kind of what happened and helped me pivot out of investment banking. I was then curious to see, okay, what are the businesses, what are the companies that actually create a positive impact on people and the planet? Right. And you can't have it both ways, can't you? But it takes focus and intention. And I think that's super important. And boy, what a painful experience you had to have to figure this out. I'm sorry you had to deal with that. And I'm sure it was a challenging time for you. But, you know, I guess each of us have our journey and it led you to where you are now, which is this incredible book that you've got out there, The Altruistic Capitalist. Uh, I'd love to learn and hear, you know, have our readers learn a bit about your journey and what it was like writing a book. How do you become an author? How do you get from idea to published book? Could you share with us a bit about that? Mm -hmm, of course. And um, I didn't wake up all of a sudden and say, hey, I'm going to be a, an author or a writer today. It was, I have to say, little seeds planted over the years. I've had friends say, hey, have you thought of writing a book? I even had one mentee whom I work with at Adidas who say, hey, maybe you should write a book about business as a force for good. And then most recently in February of last year, just before the lockdown of COVID, a friend of mine said, hey, you know, you should check out New Degree Press. I think they would be good for you to, for you to look into to publish a book. And as you, as you would have it, um, my other projects had to go on pause because of the lockdown, because of COVID-19. 
And I thought, well, this is a sure sign as ever to say, I need to write this book. And I couldn't think of any other subject that I wanted to write about that I cared enough about than to write about business as a force for good. And I really, truly believe that when businesses do good, they naturally do well. I mean, that is a beautiful statement. When businesses do good, they naturally do well. And so that, you know, that makes me think, you know, if we could dig a bit more deeply into, you know, the why, you know, why did you want to bring this book to the world? Because it takes so much time and energy to get one of these done. And, you know, why is this an important message now, you think? I think now more than ever, um, as we saw in, in during COVID, um, climate change, inequality, some of these issues were just are just coming at a tipping point. And also COVID um, showed us like when companies come together with business, uh, businesses, uh, both public, private, government organizations, nonprofits come together. When we all collaborate on a problem, we can come to a solution faster and better. And I think um, because of climate change and because of inequality that are coming to tipping points, this is a good time for us to take charge of this momentum and make a shift in, in the way businesses operate. Uh, I love that. And, you know, I, there went a line, a line I heard years ago, I think it was Warren Buffett. He said, I'm going to insert the word recession or macro event, but he said, recessions don't cause problems, they reveal them. And mm -hmm. I think maybe what you were alluding to there was that the COVID-19 didn't cause these problems in the world. It revealed that they existed and it gave them sort of a a moment to shine in the sun, unfortunately, uh, or maybe it's fortunately, but now you've got this message to bring it out there today and, and, and a much more positive message and a direction people can go in. Mm -hmm. so think about capitalism today, Lynn, you know, what are the challenges you see companies facing? So to start off with, I don't think capitalism is good or bad. I think it's a tool, just like technology is a tool. Um, artificial intelligence isn't good or bad. It's just a tool. So similarly, capitalism is a tool. I have a very traditional business background. You know, I worked in law, I worked in investment banking, I have an MBA from Wharton. So I, I think capitalism is a tool that promotes competition, that promotes innovation, that comes up with what the market needs and wants. So that's, that's just capitalism on its own. I think what happened with capitalism was in 1970, Milton Friedman, now he's one of our best economists, he wrote an article in the New York Times saying, the social responsibility of businesses is to increase profits. And it kind of just went, <laughs> everyone just took it from there. It went into all the business textbook. It was what we taught in business school. And what that led to was people focusing on um, short-term profits. Add to that how um, executives are incentivized quarterly earnings, things like that actually exacerbated the way in which we operate our business. We were just staring at the bottom line rather than all the other impacts that I alluded to before, which is, you know, what is the impact on people? What's the impact on our environment? What's the impact on uh, the communities that we operate in? So I think over the long term, from, from when Milton Friedman issued that statement, uh, it's just ex accelerated and went into a direction where we are now just staring at the bottom line rather than looking at the other impacts that our businesses have on the people and planet around us. And in fact, you argue, and uh, I, I really appreciate your argument, that if we take that step back and say, all right, can we still have a profitable, successful business 
but also do good. And I think this is the altruistic capitalist mindset, right? So could you share with us, you know, what is that mindset? What does that look like in your view? Uh, the altruistic capitalist mindset. So I spoke to business owners. I spoke to executives at public companies. I spoke to nonprofits. I spoke to investors as well. And what in researching came, the book? In researching the book, exactly. And what it boiled down to is this mindset. And really, it's a toolbox. It's a it's a roadmap for how you can create value across all stakeholders, and that's um, employees, communities, your suppliers, your investors as well, of course, and the environment. And it's really made up of three mindsets, three mini mindsets. Let's call them that. Um, first is mindfulness, and I start with mindfulness because that helps you discover your purpose. What are your strengths? Reflect on what you're good at. And that's where you should invest your energy and resources on. Second is curiosity. And that's really your toolbox. What is it that can help you develop um, the right solutions to solve global problems? And then the third is grit. And I see that as a way in which you can scale the solutions that you've developed in step two of the mindset. Being mindful, being curious, and, and having a little bit of grit to, to actually get it done, right? Uh, mm -hmm. So important. You know, you, you led with mindfulness. I think it's such an important topic and becoming more and more important for leaders in this day. You know, how do you find mindfulness in all this research you did with these dozens of folks and hours of research? You know, how has it led to increased engagement with employees and, and customers, right? The, what's the positive side of that and from your view? Mm -hmm. That's a very good question. And mindfulness to, to some people still sounds very wishy-washy. Um, and, and what I like to say is uh, mindfulness is acting with intention, acting, being present with everything that you do. And the story I like to share is uh, the turnaround of Best Buy. Now, if you remember some years ago, um, Best Buy was, um, you know, analysts said Best Buy was, was, was finished. That, that was the end of the road for them because Amazon was coming and was killing the electronics retailer. Then they hired Hubert Julie who um, put purpose at the heart of the organization. He put the purpose of Best Buy as enriching the lives of others through technology. Now, he didn't write a sales guidebook telling how the, his retail team should sell better to customers or how they should be in their, in their jobs. He just said, this is what our purpose is. He embedded that into the culture and how that manifested. One of the ways in which it came out was um, they started they started um, looking at how they could help the elderly, the people at risk. They look at devices, connected devices, alert monitors, things that could help the elderly live independently for longer. And so this was like a, a, a new strategy for the business, but it also created a market for a new market for them. So that helped them grow their top line. It engaged their employees, people more um, people are more happy. There was uh, more retention at work. And so this ultimately was better for the bottom line. Even though they focus on purpose, this is how doing well comes naturally at the end. I, I, I did not know that's how Best Buy survived. And I certainly often wonder how, how do they exist in the day of Amazon, right? <laughs> yes, and yes. uh, being this big box retailer when everything is you know cheaper online and this kind of thing. That's yeah, fat. if I may share then, actually, since you brought up Amazon, I wasn't going to bring this up, but since you bring up Amazon, I'm going, to I'm going to include um, how, uh, how, how they collaborated with Amazon. And so the reason why uh, Best Buy was in trouble 
was that Amazon was knocking at their doors and they were selling things for cheaper. And what they did was they talked to Amazon and said, hey, shall we partner up? You know, they featured Amazon in, in their stores, featured Amazon products, and they collaborated. And this is how one plus one equals three. And this is how I think we can also scale solutions to make things better. Because one of the devices that they sold was um, uh, Alexa, a connected device, um, helping, helping the elderly um, understand like what is, what, what is going on in their homes. So this is kind of another way in which, um, you know, putting purpose at the center of the business helped the bottom line. I mean, it's so fascinating when you hear companies with great purpose and great mission. And, it, and if they can really get their people behind it and have a good mission, it's amazing how often it works out for all constituents, and not just the shareholders, but right, the employees and customers. I, mm -hmm. I really appreciate that. You, know, you also mentioned curiosity in there, you know, how does curiosity or how has curiosity played a role in solving some of the social issues you're speaking to? Good question. Um, so curiosity, I think, has um, two, two roles to play. I think, one, often we, we rush into solutions. We hear a question, and before the question's finished, we try and answer them already. And that's the same when we're in designing solutions. We often want to help, and so we don't, necessarily ask the questions that are needed in order to test assumptions. So curiosity, when we are curious, we will ask the right questions in order to test the assumptions behind the problem and understand the context. And when we understand the context and the problem better, we get to the cause of it. And then two, secondly, when we are more curious, we also have, um, we, we learn different subjects. We acquire and accumulate knowledge. Doesn't matter which in which direction. We naturally are. Um, we we naturally have different perspectives because we are more open-minded. I think that as well helps us with creativity and being more innovative to come up with better solutions. So I think that those are the that's the role that curiosity plays in in solving some of the global issues that we have today. I, I really appreciate that concept. And I think of, when I think about curiosity, I also think of it as a way in, maybe this is a bit adjacent to what you said, but how it helps us connect to others. Because when we are curious, we're being a bit vulnerable and saying, hey, maybe I can learn something from this other person. And I, I found curiosity in my own journey as a really great way to connect with other people and certainly a way to help dig deeper into issues and come up with better solutions and innovation. I, I really appreciate that. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you also mentioned grit. Is there a story you might have from all the folks you interviewed and researched that that might give us an idea of grit? Because that's that's kind of hard to coach, right? And to put on a slogan. How do you how do you make grit happen? Yeah. So I see. So I define, uh, and actually, no, I didn't define this. This this is from Angela Duckworth from her book. And grit is um, passion plus perseverance. I think the passion already comes from the understanding of yourself and knowing what drives you. That's your that's your purpose. And then perseverance, how I see that is in my book, I defined it as um, being an athlete and how athletes achieve their successes is they collaborate, they, they, they work with others. So even if you're just uh, a runner, you train with others, you build um, alliances and you support each other in order to lift everyone up. And so how I see this working out in this context is building alliances. So to go back to that Best Buy story, um, Best Buy worked with Amazon. They didn't decide to compete. They decided to collaborate. 
because if we all um, a rising tide lifts all boats. So let's help each other rather than kill the competition. And I think that's how we can also create value together rather than saying, oh, you know, we, we are not going to work with that person because we are in the same industry. And another story that recently happened was um, with Alberts and Adidas. Now, they're both sneaker companies. They both produce sneakers. And they both also have the mission of having low carbon emissions. Recently, they went into collaboration to create the lowest carbon emission shoe. They came up with under three grams, which is four times, which is four times less than the average sneaker. So again, you know, something that's completely uh, that you, you know, 20, 20 years ago, you wouldn't think competitors would work together. Today, people are working together because that's how we can um, scale the solutions we have to solve global problems. That's incredible. And yeah, forever competitors, and now they're working together. Uh, that's awesome. You know, I wanted to share uh, just a little bit of the early praise that you received from, from uh, a pretty interesting gentleman, Bill Simpson, retired president and CEO, Hershey Entertainment Resorts Company, on what he thought about the book. And I wanted to just share that with the, the audience here real quick, uh, if I could. The Altruistic Capitalist is a must read for business and community leaders. Uh, author Lynn Yap's extensive research and skillful storytelling are game changers for the way leaders need to rethink their approach to meeting the needs of all stakeholders. And I mean, I'll tell you, if that doesn't sum it up in, in a, a quick bit there, I don't know what does. But uh, I, I'm curious what that quote means to you and how you feel like that resonates with your with your book and your story. Well, that was a quite a special quote, I have to say, because I remember... Um, visiting Hershey Park and um, um, meeting the uh, uh, and meeting the people there and also learning about the Hershey School. And this school was founded by Milton Hershey, um, who started a school for children, for orphans from um, marginalized backgrounds, from disadvantaged backgrounds. And this has really um, helped Bill's team, for instance, to grow the company even more, to grow the business even more sustainably because he as well um, focused the team on the purpose of helping these orphans, these children from marginalized communities. Uh, and, and for me to have that from Bill was very special. That's incredible. Um, congratulations on finding such a fantastic quote out there. Uh, so, so many lessons when, you know, business for good, collaboration, being mindful leaders, you know, when you wanted to, if you could distill it down, Lynn, if there's, you know, one or two key messages uh, or lessons you think readers can take away from your book, what would you, what would you say those are? If I could just, just one lesson is that um, doing good means doing well, and you don't have to focus, you don't have to stare at the bottom line. If you just focus on purpose, the profits come naturally. Uh, I love that, you know, having a mission, trying to do help others. It's uh, uh, certainly a big value that came out of my business school. And if people want to learn more about you and your book, you know, where, where can they go? And, and maybe a little bit about Activate. Sure. Thank you for that. Um, sure. So I, as you know, I, I love learning. So I continue to learn. And how I continue to learn is I have a weekly newsletter. So people can subscribe to that by writing to me. Lynn at altruisticcapitalist.com. They can also go to the website altruisticcapitalist.com for events um, such as the book launch that is coming up. 
Um, and in terms of Activate, um, that I have another website for that, and that's activate.network. And what I do is I partner with companies that um, to to uh, on leadership programs with teenage girls to bring them into uh, to introduce them to companies and professional opportunities so that we can increase more women into technology and digital roles within these companies. I mean, talk about a mission and purpose, Lynn. That is that is fantastic. And you mentioned your book launch event. Uh, do you have a date and time on that? Yes, my global launch is on the eighth of July, <laughs> and it's, it's at up fast. twelve. It is. It is twelve noon Eastern. Excellent. Well, that'll. I'm sure it'll be a fantastic program. So, the altruistic capitalist. Lynn, what an incredible story and incredible message to have out there for the world for people to live and learn and grow from and a roadmap to to do better and to help others. I mean, such a powerful message, particularly in this day and age. Thanks for being on the show. For those out there, Altruistic Capital is available on Lynn's website or wherever you buy books online. Uh, I'm your host, John Saunders, for the creator community. Keep moving forward. <laughs>